Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Well, well, well. Good morning, baseball fans. It is indeed inside the clubhouse. And Bruce Levine, you like to say it, 52 weeks a year. Baseball conversation right here between 9 and 11. And uh, we are on the uh, on the precipice of what should be a fascinating offseason for both local teams. And we've got postseason baseball galore. It's uh, going on in full form right now as we watch four baseball playoff games yesterday. If you're a baseball junkie, this is your time of year. I understand your Chicago teams are not in it, but being the baseball fans you are, we'll continue to talk playoff baseball. Chicago Cubs search for a manager. White Sox looking toward 2020 need a new hitting coach. Matt and I are here for you at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 67011. We will read all that's worthy on the air. And Matt, indeed, um, we have learned now that uh, Theo Epstein has interviewed one coach. His name is Mark Loretta. He will be a guest of ours today in the 10 o'clock hour and three more next week. So Mark Loretta has been interviewed. Three more to come next week. Cubs manager job is open. Um, I am of the opinion that, like others have said, this is David Ross's gig if he if he wants it. But uh, but let's let's discuss. I'm really glad we got a chance to talk to Mark Loretta and ask him about the team. By the way, Matt, inside the clubhouse, brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your summer and now fall and winter home for the best food in Chicago and the checklist, the best deli, no doubt, the best full service restaurant without question, the best bakery, you bet. Max and Benny's has full dinners with all the trimmings from four to nine, seven days a week. That includes skirt steak, roast beef, chicken, the freshest fish in the city. Max and Benny's has private dining areas for all of your party and business meeting needs from 10 to 150 people accommodated. Catering is king at Max and Benny's. Ask for John at MaxandBenny's.com. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Max and Benny's, where the pastrami sandwiches are piled as high as a Chicago skyscraper. Last Monday, Theo Epstein had his 81-minute get-together, Matt, with the media. He outdistanced his uh, previous record of 71 minutes in 2018 uh, after the season. And... uh, a very open book, open to all questions, um, seemed on top of everything. And uh, what was the one thing that stood out the most to you other than the fact that Joe Madden was gone and they are in search of a new manager? Well, to, to me, and maybe it's because of my um, the, way, the way that I tend to like to zoom out and kind of expand my focus a little bit on the whole thing, 
it was the open admission that their philosophies don't work in some ways anymore and the admission that they hung on to stuff a little bit too long. I remember the phrase at one point, Bruce, was, well, we're certainly losing the contact battle, which is absolutely true for the type of hitters they've acquired and the type of pitchers they've targeted. They're not as good as several other organizations. So the fact that there's going to be a director of pitching, a director of hitting, and they're going to try and adjust their overall philosophies it, it's it's i don't know what kind of impact it can have in terms of quickness on next year's championship possible team and the year after that maybe not much but it should have an impact on roster construction and the way that they try to teach but th- that's the stuff that interested me the yeah most. i mean adding layers of management is interesting to me director of pitching director of hitting but that you already have that it's called a hitting coach it's called a pitching coach. No, he's talking about the whole scouting and yeah, development that's what department. The, that's what the president of baseball operations and the general manager yeah. do. Right? But, but you understand what I'm saying about like yeah. admitting that the yeah. game might have passed them by a little bit. No, he said that we have to keep up with the ongoing you know, increase in technology in the game yeah. and all facets of it. And that it keeps – a week before he had talked about how baseball itself – continues to change uh, dramatically from year to year and sometimes from six months to six months. So uh, I understand his idea of having more smart people involved in the mix. It starts with having better players, okay, and players that play together as a team. Right, but uh, yeah, uh, well, certainly, yeah. And, and 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 the roster construction, the players that they acquire, however they do it, I think they're going to be looking philosophically at different kind of guys than they would have well, looked at four or five years ago. When you say players they acquire, it seems that all the trades they make are very good, and a lot of them are in um, in season, and they've they've really done a, a great job of adding uh, the guys like Hamels and this year Castellanos, and uh, you know. Uh, quality bullpen guys over the last couple of years in trades, but the overall philosophy of what type of players to mm-hmm. sign, draft, develop, uh, that's going to be the key to the success of the Chicago Cubs moving forward. We all concentrate on this two-year window of, hey, they, they got the Bulls left, you know, the big players left on this team until they're free agents till 2021. But there's a whole organization with a whole you know, future ahead of them and a whole new TV network to satisfy going forward. Well, let me ask you this. If this philosophical realization and admission had happened a year earlier, okay, and they had said, all right, I don't think we can change our sluggers into the contact also guys that we want to change them into. And if they had said, yeah, we got to really catch up. Would they have been more likely, you know, if money was not an issue, let's say, to go after a DJ LeMayhew, who was on display last night as the type of hitter that they have historically not targeted yeah. and and is exactly what that lineup well, needed I, I on think, a lot of levels? I think, I think the answer is if they had the money, they would have because he was the, the perfect guy. They were looking for second base help. Yep. They had an unsure situation. They knew that Baez was their shortstop for the first time. Uh, in 2019, he was going to be their everyday shortstop. That worked to perfection. An all-star, probably the best defensive shortstop in the National League, was on, you know, pace for another 35, mm-hmm. 110, you know, even though he was slumping before he got hurt. But second base was 
Well, we have Ben Zobris in his last year. Right. We may be moving Russell over there. And Daniel Descalso and is. We're going to have to settle for Daniel Descalso because we don't have the money to spend. So that in itself, I mean, that one move that they could not make, that in your premise they could have made, could have made a, a huge difference in just the outcome, the approach, and everything else that you wanted to do uh, in 2019. I, I, I absolutely agree that the construction of the roster and the kind of players they get is even is most important of, of, of everything as, as we stand here. Um, but the, the manager stuff, it, it is important. And that's also an admission of a different kind of thing that they've grown to believe through the course of the years in terms of the makeup of the room. And the attitude of humans. And these are guys who are heavily steeped in numbers and heavily steeped in trying to think in a dispassionate way about certain players. But they truly do believe more than ever that these guys need an edge and lacked an edge. And they want to bring in somebody to help them have well, an edge. They did. They, they brought in their third hitting coach in three years, <laughs> uh, Anthony Iaposi. Yeah, it, and then they asked Joe to do something different and be more hands-on with the hitting and uh, more hands-on with the coaches. And at that point, um, they probably should have fired him, okay? And it's easy for me to say now a year later and $6 million that they they owed him on top of it. But Mm. they were asking him to change. Absolutely. Clearly wanted something from him that was not in his normal toolbox. So the message you're telling uh, everybody out there, but most importantly the 25 guys in that room is – Joe really hasn't done enough to help you be the better player that you need to be. It's all done with very professionally. I think Joe went about it well, but the message uh, either didn't translate or you have the wrong players to be able to go out and be able to do what you want to do. And, uh, you know, you have – Nick Nick Castellanos coming in at the first uh, of August and doing everything that they wanted their players to do the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Line drives left field, right field. Uh, use you know an approach, a two strike approach. Uh, just you know, and, and again, it shows that Epstein and Hoyer really know what they're doing. They went after and got a guy that could really hit and help them and should have helped them get to the playoffs. But the other players were just not uh, able to function. Now, we're leaving out the fact that they had an injured roster, yeah, but that they still. Lost, lost guys for a long time. But the fact that they didn't function as an offense for two consecutive years, at least from September of 2018 mm-hmm. through last year, is evident, and yeah. and it's right in front of him. Absolutely. And the other thing about Castellanos is that he came in with the attitude and the passion and the edge that they have been asking for guys to have for a couple of years now. Right, and, and it, it it stood out, yep. Matt. And when that stands out... That's a bad sign. It, it's it's a, a great sign for that team and that player, and also for the front office who brought him in. As you said, a bad sign that the other guys were not functioning as a unit, mm-hmm. okay? We're not dealing with an approach as a unit. Maybe, and I know this for a fact, these players all work hard, and they've worked hard individually. But there needs to be more teamwork together and a, and a team feeling mm. uh, when you're getting out on that field. Joe gave these guys the autonomy 
to practice by themselves, be ready for those games, yeah. not wear themselves out in batting practice. But in reality, the, what was missing was 25 guys that would show up, be ready to play, but not necessarily play with each other. And isn't that distressing, Bruce? We have a texture who commented on that and said what he found most revealing from Epstein's talk was the admission that there's a lot of individual agendas on the team. That was disturbing to hear. And that dovetails with what you're talking about. And that is a reflection on uh, the manager in terms of whether the guys are acting like a collective or not. But yeah. th- but those players have been enabled slash coddled is a word that well, some well, would use by the front office directly. One word right? you left out was earned. Earned by four playoff in four years, mm-hmm. a World Series in 2016, and a <clears throat> underlining of the fact that Joe's way works because unprecedented going to the playoffs four years in a row, uh, unprecedented um, winning a World Series, mm-hmm. and a uh, a team of happy, quote-unquote, happy players that come out to the park and play hard every day. I think they all do play hard every day. There was a lack of collective um, team, you know, whatever it was, cohesiveness that we saw uh, that stood out in 2019. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, of the manager, Bruce, and the three more um, interviews to come, do you have any insight on who those three are? We know that Ross will probably be one there, of them. There's a coach uh, named Joe Espada who's very well thought of. He's the bench coach for the Houston Astros. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to get interviews with uh, a number of teams. The Cubs have been mentioned as that possibility. Epstein said on Monday that there are possible couple candidates that they would like to talk to that might be involved in the playoffs. Okay, how about Will Venable on their own staff? Is that something that's going to happen? Uh, he's going to be interviewed. I mean, uh, next week the interviews are David Ross, Joe Girardi, and Will Venable. Is Will Venable a viable uh, guy to be Getting the job, I don't think so. Mm. Uh, has he earned that from uh, the work he's done in the uh, front office and then coaching the last two years? They think so, and that's why he's a part of this um, part of this derby. But um, the question of whether they go in in house or out out of the house, as far as bringing in a manager, that's that's a that's a segment in itself because we need to talk about whether the message from an outside manager and the message from inside where they have an idea of what they want to do would take too long to come together if you brought someone in from the outside. You know, um, Joe Girardi, who you mentioned, was on the station this week. And before we take a break and take some phone calls, why don't we hear Joe Girardi who commented on, uh, on this opening and really MLB openings in general? As far as necessarily reaching out to the Cubs, if you're going to be the manager of a team, you know, the team has to want you. So you reaching out to them, I don't know if it's really going to make a, a big influence. I've made it known that I would like to manage again. So, you know, you kind of wait and see what happens in this process. There's a lot of jobs open, more that I remember in the past, and there could be some more. So we'll see what happens. Are you interested in the Cubs managerial job? <laughs> well, I think that when you look at, you know, managing in Major League Baseball, there's only 
only so many jobs. So obviously anything that comes across your desk, you're going to be very interested in. You know, you can't just go to another city and say, well, I'm going to, you know, be an orthopedic surgeon here or I'm going to be, (laughs) you know, you just, you can't do anything like that. So there's 30 jobs. Obviously there's 10 teams in the playoffs. So those jobs probably aren't open. So you, you start to look at the other jobs available. And, you know, obviously I have a lot of ties to Chicago and any job out there is going to interest me because I would like to manage again. Joe Girardi with Mullion Hall this week. Other jobs that will interest him and they'll be interested? That New York Mets opening seems to be tailor-made for Joe, Yeah, possibly. I mean, he's already proved he can handle New York. Yep. Ten years there, winning World Series in 2009. And his, uh, I think it was 2017 where his team was one game uh, away from or a few outs away from going to another World Series. Mm-hmm. So... From that perspective, uh, Joe is an accomplished guy. The background here is phenomenal. Peoria native, Cub fan growing up, uh, drafted and signed by the Cubs, played for them two different occasions uh, from 1989 through 92, and then again 2000 through 2020, or 2000 through 2002, a second time around, um, was a subject of possible manager's jobs in 2006 and 2013 still owns property in the Northwest suburbs here. So uh, his wife is from here, obviously they have uh, tremendous ties. I think it would be, I, I won't say necessarily a dream job, but he might say it if he gets the job, mm-hmm. even though he's probably had, you know, when you're the manager of the New York Yankees, <laughs> doesn't get much better than that. Right. See, but everything we're talking about is Joe's interest in, in them. Joe Girardi's interest in them. I just, I've never really heard anything definitive in terms of their interest in Joe. Well, you do now because he's getting an interview. That's pretty definitive. Yeah. yeah. It's, he's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. Bruce, I, I have what I think is a fairly obvious free agent target for the White Sox that they should chase incredibly hard. I want to throw that at you. Um, and I know you've got lots of thoughts and topics, and we've got callers that want to talk about the Cubs stuff and more. And uh, we have guests coming up. Dave Wills, who's the uh, voice of the Tampa Rays, talking some playoff baseball with us at the top of the next hour. And Mark Loretta, the Cubs uh, bench coach, will join us. Uh, he also has uh, had an interview with the Cubs as of Thursday. It's 670 The Score inside the clubhouse. We'll be right back. Keep it here. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse and 670 to score. He is Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. Talking to you, taking your phone calls and texts, and uh, talking about the Cubs manager spot. And We can talk a little Zeppelin, too, while we're right? you know, rolling into it. This is Zach Withers' favorite, and it always feels really good on a weekend morning. Zeppelin 3, I believe. You are correct, sir. Underrated rock encyclopedia Bruce Levine, ladies and gentlemen. You catch me on XRT, uh, <laughs> never. <laughs> um, Bruce, if the Cubs can't afford Nick Castellanos, shouldn't you as the White Sox make a very hard push for that guy in right field? You say... You loved Chicago. Chicago loves you. We're nine miles south. The manager you fell in love with has moved on anyway. I think you saw that his defense in right field is plenty good enough to exist uh, down at the cell. And I think he would be, I know they need lefties more than they need a righty, but man, that dude, and in the division, I, I, I think the White Sox should push hard for Nick Castillo. What's the agent's name again? Scott uh, Radinsky. No, uh, Scott Fletcher. Excuse oh, me. The White Sox can, Boris, can yes. and will make deals with Scott Boris, uh, but it's never easy. Never easy. Uh, there's very little trust on either side. Uh, there's been bad blood over the years uh, as far as uh, the dealings there. And uh, Castellanos would be a wonderful player for the White Sox. He would be... Just what you need from uh, energy-wise, contact-wise. Um, they're probably going to put their energies forth into a left-handed hitter uh, because the balance isn't really there for their lineup right now. They have Robert coming. Uh-huh. Most of their guys, other than Mancata, from, uh, he's a switch hitter from the left side. There's really no left-handed pop or balance. So as much as Castellanos would fit perfectly for them, I'm thinking they might go lefty. Adam Eaton? Huh? Huh? Free agent? Bring back uh, Todd Frazier, too? Sparks, <laughs> baby. How about, um? isn't Brett Gardner a free agent, too? He might be, but he's a little long a tooth I know. these days. I you know. know. Well, who do you like from the left side, uh, left side of the plate? In terms I'm going to have hitters? to look at the free agent list a little harder. I, I think it, it might come via trade. Um, you say, well, what do the White Sox have to trade? And that's interesting because... They've they've traded most of their veterans along the way. They still have some bullpen guys that they can trade. Yes, they do. Um, if they feel strong enough that uh, their young guys have come along to the point where they can move them toward the back end. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, I yeah. Um, what, are the Mets going to deal one of their outfielders like Conforto or Brandon Nimmo, somebody like that? I don't know. You know, it's it's going to probably take a lot to to get them to do that. They they've tried so hard to get position players in that uh, involvement now. And, um, you know, their pitchers are there. They're, they're a team also there to try to win over the next couple of years while they have that contract control of those big pitchers in their rotation. Let's hit the uh, phone lines, This Matt. is Dave in Lowell, Indiana on 670 The Score. Hello, Dave. Good morning, Dave. Yeah. Yes, good morning, gentlemen. Well, I, wa- I wanted to talk about Frank uh, Menacino as the new hitting coach. Uh-huh. 
for the Sox because he's a high LBP guy. But I can't let the Cubs discussion go past as a Sox fan. Okay, so, uh, get it out. Get your uh, they so they won in sixteen in spite of the rookies. And, and it was because there was veteran leadership, not just one guy, that made them go to dinner, that controlled that clubhouse and made them work as a team. When all those young guys got that ring and started feeling a little bit full of themselves, um, the manager they had, or Mr. Magoo as I like to call him, was not the guy to make them work, to not have them out there at 9 a.m., working that turn at second base before the game. He just wasn't that guy. So they never developed a full range of baseball skills. The game is still 70% failure. And and they didn't have the hit and run. They didn't have the manufactured runs. And it's because they weren't taught and it wasn't reinforced. And, and that's I can't lay the blame at any one person, but that's what it seemed to me as a casual observer was wrong with that team. And, and so that, that, that's my take on the Cubs. You see, you think the White Sox offense is any different? White Sox offense has uh, some massive issues. 24th in run scored 30th in, uh, in walks in all of baseball, they finished 278 walks behind right. the Houston Astros. Well, I was I was going to ask him that, but he wasn't there any longer. Uh, oh. The uh, the idea that because he did have some uh, White Sox thoughts that um, you know uh, the White Sox have fired their hitting coaches, and the reason is that their offense uh, they would like to see doing some different things as well. And part of that would be how do you get uh, really good players all-star caliber players like Mancata, Jimenez, Anderson to be more selective at the plate. They're not necessarily going to walk more, okay? But the selectivity, and it sounds crazy when you're talking about Anderson who won a batting title mm-hmm. and Mancata who finished third in the American League in hitting. Uh, and, and then you're talking about Jimenez who in the 450 at-bats hit 30 homers and almost drove in 80 that you're not necessarily pleased with where they're going, but the selectivity and the, the way they go about their at-bats is something that I think that White Sox brass want a little bit more uh, involved with their hitting coach when the, they move forward. And if it's Frank Medichino, who was their AAA uh, hitting coach and came up in the last month of the season to uh, assist as well, and it's likely that it's going to be Frank and Frank and somebody else, um, that is their charge. Frank Menachino, um has experience in the bigs as a hitting coach with the Marlins. And uh, in September, uh, the White Sox were second in on-base percentage. Yeah, and so, that's great. Yeah, and they and they were sixth in run scored. They had a very good September um, with with Menachino around. I like what I've heard from certain players who worked with him in the minors who said that he is stern, but also willing to discuss different approaches and open to conversation in terms of what works best for individual hitters. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. But I like that, that Rick Hahn and company are wanting more. It's time to want more from every level of the, of the organization, especially at the big league You know, level. We, we hear about athletes and the millennials all the time now and trying to get the, the message through to them in a – Constructive, positive, communicative way, Matt. Mm-hmm. 
without screaming at them. No yelling aloud in this era, right? No, uh, no sternness of if you don't do this, you're going to sit on the bench. If you don't do that, I mean, there's no. I disagree. I mean, it has to be there. It no, but I mean there. that uh, you'll have to agree that's what we're living in. Well, uh, to an extent, but it's really maybe, maybe not in New England where they win a championship every year. Well, but it's a matter of how you do it. Like there's a way to hold guys accountable and still be likable. This is this is what a good leader yeah. has to be these days. I don't know if you've already given away the franchise to the players. I don't know how you take it back, I, other than remove enough players. Well, you know, look, um, Brian uh, Snitker sat Ronald Acuna down during the course of the year when he didn't run one out. Then here he was in the playoffs. He did it again. He did and it. Again. Guess what? He didn't take him out this time. Nobody, did he? but his teammates called him out big right. time after the but, game. But he didn't take. He him came out. up another at bat later and hit a big home run. I, right. So yeah. So if you, the, the message is not consistent. Um, you can afford to make a point with a player during the regular season, but if you take him out, you're going to be second guess for taking out your best player in the most important games of the year. In terms of uh, a a general characteristic of sternness, I think that's the Cubs want some level of that out of their manager, an ability to hold guys accountable. You know, I think think that's why um, Girardi or Ross uh, are certainly the right guys because they have a reputation for being stern as teammates in the, in the sense for Ross Mm -hmm. and still well-respected and loved which is a very hard combination. Agreed. And then Girardi, sternness, and then being outed by the Yankee front office saying, you know what, you were too tough with Gary Sanchez. You asked him to be a better defender. You outed him in public. We think you're not good with young players anymore. Hmm. And therefore, we're not giving you a new contract. Yeah. So um, um, there, there's that fine line. Absolutely. And But Girardi and Ross certainly have those skills of – a tough message, but a tough love being involved as well. Yes, and the best managers, Terry Francona, Bruce Bochy, yep. have a way to scare guys while also being likable. I do. You know, when you when the players like the Cubs players, and they're all good players, and they're all really good people. I have to say that because I deal with them every day. But when you've already given away, you know, you won the championship. They've given them the most lavish clubhouse facility, both in Mesa and in Chicago. Uh, they have it the very best in baseball. And then you see that they haven't been able to perform up to the level that's expected of them. Then you, you have people like you and I and other people that cover the sports say, these guys have been become empowered and entitled, mm-hmm. and it's not working. I mean, it's obviously not working with this group, with this message. So therefore, a guy like Joe Madden leaves – and then the next message will come in via Joe Girardi or David Ross. Jeff is in Springfield on 670, the score, and inside the clubhouse. What do you say, Jeff? Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. Excellent show. Enjoy listening to you every week. Thank you. Uh, if the Cubs knew they had financial constrictions before they started the offseason, I never understood why the heck, unless I've always thought it was a gentleman's agreement beforehand for Cole Hamels to waive his no trade back in the day, that they picked up his $20 million option like he was burning a hole in their pocket. 
he was maybe their best starting pitcher once he got here last year, and they did not know that they were going to get a decent version of you, Darvish, which ended up being a right. good, very good well, version Well, that's true, of but 36 doesn't always translate out over the course of the next year. I call it the Gary Gaetti effect. You got what you got. Try to work a deal out with him on the side because no pitcher, even a 28-year-old pitcher, got $20 million a year. Well, they were stuck, and you're right. Uh, everything that you bring up is correct, but it was based on the premise – that Darvish got hurt and wasn't good, and that Chetwood didn't work out, okay? So if Chetwood would have lived up to his contract in 2018, there would have been no need to be able to have to sign Cole Hamels and give away the, the money, as you're bringing up, you know, the money wasn't there. That $20 million could have gone for a DJ, uh, a DJ LeMayu or somebody like that and another strong bullpen guy. Instead, as you said, that money had to go to Hamels because of the fact that he was an accomplished pitcher. They weren't sure with the other guys, and there was no one from the minor leagues ready to come up. Mm -hmm. So I understand why they did it. And he was terrific before he got hurt. Yeah, he was. was. It was a good call, but as the caller points out, you're dealing from a situation that is not ideal because of the fact that your, your money has run out and your guys didn't perform up to their abilities the year before. When they picked up that option to the end of the offseason, did baseball operations have a different idea of what their financial situation was going to be? That's a great question, I, and I can't answer that for you. I think the, it's a yes. I've come to believe that I it's mean, a yes. I it mean, was, it was the 1st of November, okay? They had to make that call right away. Correct. I, I, I think they thought they were going to have more. Is my is well my as we heard that. during the whole off season, there was that thought of, you know, information getting out. You know what, Tom has just told us we're not going to have more. Or Tom said to stand by, we'll see how things are going. And as it went on the first day of spring training, mm-hmm. or when Tom Ricketts showed up that second week, he said, you know what, the fact is there was no more money. It's 670, the score. It's inside the clubhouse. Uh, Bruce, there's audio uh, concerning Jerry Reinsdorf from some advice he gave a young baseball executive that people keep texting us about and tweeting us about, and we actually have the audio. So um, why, why don't we hear that before we get to our top of the hour? All right. Well, uh, run that, you know, run, run it up. No, Jerry Reinsdorf. Oh, no, no. We'll do, we'll do it when we come back. Yeah. Uh, Zach Withers, thank you so much. It is inside the clubhouse on 670, the score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It's inside the clubhouse. He is Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel here with you. Next hour, uh, Dave Wills on the Tampa Rays and these MLB playoffs. Former White Sox pre and post guy. Old friend of Bruce Levine, yes, from days at Stations Oh, together, yeah, we worked right? together forever. Long, long time. And, uh, and Mark Loretta on the show next hour. Yes, interviewed with for the Cub job on Thursday, so it'll be... Interesting to get a perspective from him. I don't believe he'll be able to talk about the interview directly, but just about uh, the periphery of uh, interviewing for a job and uh, also what it was like in that dugout as the bench coach in 2019. Before we uh, listen to that audio I'd mentioned uh, about uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, this is Shoelaces on the south side on 670 The Score. Hello, Shoelaces. Hey, how y'all doing today? We're, We're doing good. What's up? How you doing, Bruce? Long time. Long time. Long yes, time. sir. Yes, sir. Long time. I'm an old man now. But, hey, Bruce, what I want to say, 
um, with, uh, with, with the Cubs there with Joe Madden. I think the Cubs kept in the fan with him. And you know what? Um, I was tell you, the president remind me of the president of the Boston Red Sox. Like, man, they um, just find him after he won the World Series. Because I think um, Epstein keeps you in the fan with um, what's on the field. Mm-hmm. Th- thinks, uh, thinks the front office is too involved, Bruce. Uh, you know, I'm not. There. I'm there every day, but I'm not in their office, and I'm not in the, the conversations with uh, the manager. You can't argue with the success of Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, in that front office. Okay, there is no argument with the fact that they, above anything else, anything else, want to win a World Series every year. That's their goal. When they're not getting it done and they're not going to the playoffs. There's no angrier people on the on the face of the baseball planet. Uh, as to whether their methods are working or not right now, uh, and that the new manager will be a key to turning this around, mm-hmm. we'll we'll have to see about that. But I, I can tell you, the dedication and the hard work is absolutely a hundred percent still there. Jerry Reinsdorf uh, apparently talked to David Sampson, the former Florida Marlins executive, who had a terrible reputation around the game, by the way, uh, but is now in the media and um, now has, uh, you know. Okay, so let's set this up. Yeah. Sampson was the president of the Florida Marlins. Yes. And for a while, the Miami Marlins. Uh, He was there for at least a couple of changes, two changes of ownership. Mm Mm-hmm. And now does a podcast, right? Uh, among other things, works for CBS, uh, but he also does a lot of things right. in Miami. This was him on with Dan Lebetard, um, and it ended up uh, being part of the Lebetard podcast. And uh, therefore, we are running this now to hear what the advice he got from Jerry Reinsdorf. At what point and what time, we do not know. Uh, no, we do. I think he was 32 when he got this advice from Reinsdorf. But this is him from the 19th of September on uh, with Dan Lebetard. You know, Jerry Reinsdorf, when I first got into baseball, I've never told this story before, and I like Jerry very much, and I'm sorry, Jerry, but here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> he sat me down. I was 32 years old, just in baseball for my first of 18 years, and he said, you know what? Here's my best advice to you. Finish in second place every single year because your fans will say, wow, we've got a shot. We're in it, but there's always the carrot left. There's always one more step to take. And I actually, to my detriment, listened to him and (laughs) stayed in sort of bogged down in mediocrity. One year we won the World Series. One year we lost 100 million, uh, 100 million, both 100 games and 100 million. But we, we, we never rebuilt. We never had an owner who wanted to tank, who wanted, but we needed that. Oh, boy. Well, that sounds like a lot of revisionist history to me. What do you, what's revisionist? Well, every time they won, there was a change of ownership down there, and they, yeah. And they and and they did tank. They did sell off all their players. Yeah, they 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 sold them off a couple of times. So, but the so, point is the advice. The well, advice. I mean, if if the guy comes in and he goes, "Oh yeah, I'm going to listen to uh, Jerry Reinsdorf and try to finish second every year," I think that that sounds like a crock. Well, if it, the, it o- the obvious like, question it sounds, the obvious... sounds like a crock from a guy that's no longer involved, and to me. And I'm not. I don't need to defend Jerry because I know he wants to win every year. Um, if he gave him that advice 18 years ago, it was a business sense of make sure that you're competitive every year, which uh, Mr. Um, Sampson did not do. 
at all. Right. And but, the but, franchise did not do. But is uh, what Samson is saying is one thing, but the advice itself, do you think that the White Sox have gone out at times trying to just be pretty good because that's good enough? I, and it also leaves the carrot of being better because I think there's a huge amount of the fan base that does think that's what has been the case, and this is confirmation of it, and they're angry today. You'd have to show me an example of uh, where that's at, you know, as far as they didn't go far enough to try to win. Um, you know, I, I saw a team that um, had the highest paid free agents in 1998, okay? With Albert Bell. With Albert Bell. Uh, I think he had it again with uh, Canerco when he re-signed. I think they had it again uh, in that year when Adam uh, uh, Dunn signed his contract, $56 million. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that philosophy of finishing second goes along with spending the most money on that most high-profile free agents about. It took them a long time to pivot to a rebuild um, and – the advice, as it sounds, is, is sounds like a, a, um, a boss who was comfortable aiming for mediocrity. You're that, talking that's about the problem. Florida? No, I'm talking about, well, that, that advice says, go ahead and aim for mediocrity. So you think, you think the White Sox have always aimed for mediocrity? I, I, don't, I don't think that they've necessarily aimed for mediocrity, no. But, I, but the problem is, I know for a fact that the Bulls have been extremely right, comfortable well, with mediocrity and aiming for right. it and are aiming for it again. That, that's a, that's that, an, a subject I'm not uh, up on. I got you. I haven't covered a, it for 10 years. I, I, I got you. I, but can, that I is, can tell you right now that that's a, it's, instead, it's similar of going, ownership. instead of going for uh, signing more free agents and trying to win every year like they did, they decided to go the other route. So an 81-year-old guy decided to allow his front office to say, you know what? It's time that we rebuild this organization. Commendable. Uh, Commendable. Okay. But what my point is, is that is that somebody who wants to finish second? Uh, well, was that was that how how late was that? How late was that? Like how many years were they mired in mediocrity before they made that? The, the, kind que- of decision? the question you'd have to answer, Matt, is were they trying to finish second? I don't know how anybody can possibly look at a situation and go, you know what, we're going to be pretty good. And we're definitely going to finish second. You yeah. know, I, I don't know where that comes from. Well, I, I, th- I think what, what, it, what it dovetails with for me in the, in the recent history, even with the, uh, the commendable pivot to rebuild, is that they tried to sign Manny Machado on their terms for $50 million less than he'd publicly asked for and because they had gotten his family and stuff like that. They drew that line in the sand and did the incentives and everything like that. Was there $300 million offered? Uh, by, yeah, he signed, he signed uh, yeah. with, with the Padres. How did that it. one work out? Um, we're one year in and not, not, not that bad. No, that it was, from everything I've been hearing, not good. Uh, you can look at the numbers and say, pretty good numbers. Right, right. but, but you're, you, you're you, talking about the results. I'm talking about the process of they wanted him but drew a line in the sand to try and get it on their terms. That, that, that does, kind doesn't of Doesn't everybody do that? Uh, the Padres did not. Okay, but everyone else did. Um, I'm not sure if there was another $300 million offer. I, th- I think, there one there, that's I think sure. the point that you're trying to make and the point that I'm trying to make are – that um, if you're saying that they haven't tried to win mm. and they, they don't want to win, then you just have to say it. For me, I, I know the perspective of what they're trying to do. If you if you want to say they haven't spent enough money and they haven't thrown enough money at it, maybe, maybe that's fair. Uh, 
I think that uh, they were willing to spend $300 million on Machado. I think that you're going to see in the offseason here them spend money in free agency on pitching. Will it be Cole? Will it be uh, Strasburg if he's out there? Yeah. Remains to be seen. They're going for it now. That's um, that, that's that's for So he's sure. changed his philosophy, you're saying? Uh, yeah. It, you, as you said, well, an eight, 81-year-old man decided to pivot, um, and it was, I, it was a long time coming. I'm not taking David Sampson's word for anything. Cause <laughs> How about Jeffrey Lurie's word? What is word? he known as? Uh, a schemer and a liar and a cheat. Thank you. 670, the score is uh, where we are, but it, boy, that sounded familiar, that advice, that's all. Uh, 670 scores where we are. It's inside the clubhouse. Here's Bruce Levine. Uh, who's next? Um, Dave Wills next on the MLB playoffs and the Tampa Rays. And then Mark Loretta at 1030. And you, 312-644-6767. This is Inside the Clubhouse. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.